You never miss the water till your well runs dry. Till your well runs dry. You never miss Joe Turner till he says goodbye. Sweet babe, I'm going to leave you and the time ain't long. No, the time ain't long. If you don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, November the 30th, 2021. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. My hot take tonight, I'm going to use my hot take tonight to put uh, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, longtime friend of the show, uh, on blast, uh, as well as the Chinese government. So we're just going to, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, Dick Pound, oh, we're coming after you, buddy. Right, Dick Pound. Uh, there is a Chinese tennis player, three-time Olympian, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce her name. I'm sure her name is Peng Shui, uh, and she accused in a Me Too confession, accused a high-ranking Chinese government official of sexual assault. Who said he said. She said he sexually assaulted her a number of times um, and that uh, they and and she posted all this on her kind of Chinese Facebook page, whatever the major social media platform in China is. Uh, It was deleted about 15 minutes later by the Chinese government, and then she disappeared. Um, And she's been missing ever since, essentially. And that was, what, three weeks ago? a month ago, something like that. So ever since then, the WTA, the Women's Tennis uh, Governing Body, International Governing Body, the the Men's International Tennis Governing Body, and they've been really pressuring governments to kind of force China to prove that she's not dead, essentially, or like locked in a Chinese prison camp which she definitely is. And China's been like releasing pictures of her like out to brunch and all this other stuff, but nobody has been able to actually get in touch with her. And the Chinese government's like, look at this picture. She's at a restaurant, she's fine. And meanwhile, like no one can reach her on the phone. Um, And here's where the International Olympic Committee comes in. They come in and they're like, no, we talked to her on the phone, she's fine. And, and no one else has heard from her, just the Olympics. And the Olympics are like, oh yeah, 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 she's fine. So my hot take, which is maybe not so much a hot take, is that the International Olympic Committee is completely okay with like human rights violations from countries as long as they're like major contributors to the Olympics games, like oh, China. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not a hot take at all. That's just common knowledge. Right. But we have, I'm not sure we've mentioned this much on this podcast so far. And it's like a really fucked up story because this lady's like, there's this guy who was a high ranking minister in the Chinese government. He raped me twice. And then 
she disappeared. And then the Chinese government's like, oh yeah, no, she's fine. And the Olympic Committee is like, yeah, she's fine. And everyone else is like, well, why can't we talk to her then? <laughs> really fucked up. It is fucked up. And not to belittle what's happening to this Chinese gymnast, because it is tragic tennis and romantic. Tennis player, I'm sorry. I was getting ahead of myself because it's not like the United States really has a leg to stand on since we just allowed mass systemic sexual abuse to occur within our national gymnastics program for eight years, 12 years, 16 right. years, via Michigan State University. On top of that, you have the entire wrestling sexual abuse scandal that also right. had to do with the National Olympic team and the Ohio State University. That guy is now in a congressman, so that's cool of us. So, right. you know, it's not like the United States government can actually take the moral high ground on this position. Uh, which I'm sure the Chinese government, as corrupt and power abusive as they are, fucking love to be like, yeah, U.S., you want to tell us what to do? You can't. You fucking can't. Right. Well, but except for the U.S. government didn't, like, arrest the people who spoke up about it. They would if they could. Maybe. Sorry, I'm not in a uh, uh, happy place right now. <laughs> here's another. Here's another hot take. Joel is also pro Chinese government. They've gotten him. <laughs> well, but the other thing you texted me this, and I think this is really the hot take, is that the IOC knows exactly where this gymnast is. They are just not doing anything about it. He's a tennis player. Why do I keep doing that? I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> No, no one knows where she is because she's like, you know, buried in a shallow grave somewhere like. And it's just a clone that they have in front of TV. No, it's like hologram Peng Shui. Badly acting like they went and found a, a Chinese Hollywood actor to play her. Right. Yeah. You know, the CIA would actually do that. Back in the 60s and 70s, the CIA would hire B-list Hollywood actors that looked vaguely like third world dictators so they could try to blackmail them. Yeah. Yeah. We still do that. Oh, I'm sure they still do that. You want to know what's funny is I was in China. This is kind of tangential this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about uh, I was, i'm excited yeah I'm super i was in china and i was going to vietnam and i needed to get a visa made uh-huh. and so i went to china I, I was in china i went to this place i needed to get passport pictures taken <clears throat> um and so i went and got my passport pictures taken for my visa to go to Vietnam and I sat there it was like a photo you know place mm-hmm. they did passport pictures and I went and I had my picture taken and then I sat there and watched as this lady like photoshopped my face to make me look more handsome than I actually am and also yeah. like slightly Chinese you know it was like a thing that like you're it's your <clears throat> it's like a photo identification thing yeah. so it's supposed to be like your face and this lady was like photoshopping my face in these passport pictures it was really <laughs> weird 
But she photoshopping everyone's face or just your yeah, face? Yeah, that's like she got rid of like all of she got rid of like almost all of my facial hair. She like airbrushed out my facial hair and like weird. Yeah, I still have the pictures there, and like she made my nose much more narrow, Strange. and she like she moved my eyes a little bit further apart or maybe closer together. I can't remember. But then it doesn't look like you. And right. They- and I think that like, you know, had there been facial recognition software and they were like putting this picture against my face, they might be like, that's not that dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of scary. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird. It was a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, that's good. That uh, Hey, shout out to Vladimir Putin before we get there. Uh, right. So we're undermining the Chinese government, so that helps our boy Putin, right? Right. So Putin, who probably actually has the Chinese tennis player in his gulag. <laughs> he does. He definitely does. He, like, read that post and immediately kidnapped her yeah. just to like, make the Chinese look bad. Oh, man, you were 100% correct about that. Uh, Hey, everybody, my name's Joel. I'm coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. Hey, I want to talk about college football. Sam, I don't get to talk about college football for too much more this year. Right, thank God. Here's my hot take. None of the college football teams actually know what they're doing. None of the universities actually know what they're doing. And they're just trading coaches with each other. So here's what happened. USC fired their coach. LSU hired the coach USC fired. That guy then won a national championship at LSU. LSU then fired him. USC then hired Oklahoma's coach. And then Notre Dame, no, then LSU stole Notre Dame's coach. So Notre Dame- Mid-season. Oh, it all happened like three days ago. Right. So wait, when LSU's coach got fired three days ago? He got fired midseason. And why? What did he do? He was losing too many football games less than two years after he won a national championship for LSU. But they fired him but said, hey, can you finish the season? So he did. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. I read read this. They hired the Notre Dame guy. Right. Here's my hot take on this, Joel. Yes. <clears throat> and this is going to, this makes me angry. And this is probably going to make you super angry, right? Yeah. yeah. LSU hired the coach for Notre Dame and paid him $100 million over to be there. Years. Years. Yeah. Over ten years. Ten years. Yeah. <clears throat> and then these, programs like are like oh no we can't pay our players we'll go bankrupt the school go bankrupt if we have to pay our players meanwhile they're paying their fucking coach 10 million dollars a year they're paying coaches millions of dollars to get fired public universities in the united states these are public universities lsu is public oklahoma is public notre dame is not usc is not this year in the united states public universities have paid $62 million in buyouts to buy out college football coaches to fire them because they don't have cause. That's taxpayer money, ostensibly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big scam. It's a, it's a massive scam. Public. And 
even if it's not taxpayer money, that's public money. It is public money, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably donations and you know fundraisers and stuff like that. But it's right. probably concessions at those one hundred thousand dollar seat, right? You know what I mean? You sell a hundred thousand tickets for, or say, you know. A quarter of them are for the students for free, and then seven seventy five thousand tickets for like thirty bucks a piece. Well, and here's the last messed up thing: is that there's a possibility, a small yet very real possibility, that Notre Dame they finish their season eleven and one. If something crazy happens on this last weekend of college football, Notre Dame could be in the Final Four playoff without a coach. Well, no, he's going to finish the year, isn't he? No, no, he's done. No, he is not finishing the year. They'll have to find someone else to coach. If They're going to have a bowl. Someone else has to coach the bowl game, and they might go to the playoffs. They, they could, if Michigan or Oklahoma State lose, Notre Dame will be in the final four. That's insane. How do you bail on an 11-1 possible national championship at least they're going to the Fiesta Bowl. You get paid one hundred million dollars. Million dollars, right? One hundred million dollars. I hear you. To coach college football. <laughs> yeah. On none of those kids make any money. Not a fucking dime. It's a scam. It's a massive fucking scam, Sam. Nor do they get an education. All I have to say is that players are finally getting their NIL money, uh, uh-huh. image likeness, and I don't know what the N stands for. Name, image, and likeness. One of the guys for Michigan, he used uh-huh. all that to buy turkeys for people in his neighborhood. That's Another nice. guy, he got sponsored by Applebee's. He got paid in like a thousand one hundred dollar Applebee gift cards. And he gave it to everybody else on his football team. Maybe not a thousand hundred dollars, maybe a hundred hundred dollar Applebee's gift cards. My point being that everyone was worried about these 18 and 19 year old kids using their Applebee's sponsorship money recklessly and irresponsibly. Meanwhile, what did the coach of Notre Dame do? He just took a hundred million dollars of Louisiana taxpayer money and bailed on his football team. Right. Which I would do. Yeah. No, no. $100 million is a lot of money. I do lots of evil things for $100 million. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of the point of money. Right. Everyone's got a price. Mine is $75.23. You really should value yourself a little higher, I think. No, no, you know me. All right, so that was great. (laughs) Moving on, um, I wanted to say real quick before we get too further on into the podcast, Sam and I are both recording on new devices tonight. Um, Yep, there's a a bong. and so let us know if we sound like shit. Hopefully we or better. Or better. Yeah. Hopefully Sam sounds better. I might sound worse. Um, 
But you know, Christmas is coming up. Buy us more podcasting equipment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Shout out. Uh, hey, shout out. Listen to our last week episodes. We did a Thanksgiving top of the crock, which I think was very, very good. Shout out to Bob and Carol in Indianapolis, Indiana for housing me in during uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, I got them to listen to the podcast on the driving on the interstate outside of Indianapolis. And Sam, there's nothing weirder than listening to your own podcast while sitting in the cars. Because it's just people that we're actually talking about (laughs) during the podcast. (laughs) Correct. But it's just a conversation that you're recording. And if you're in the car listening to your old conversation, and then everyone else in the car wants to participate in that conversation. Oh, right, right. Right. So my question, well, okay, well, maybe we can get back to this. Maybe we'll get back. Maybe we'll do a top of the crop. We can get I think back. we should. A Thanksgiving, a, a post-Thanksgiving top. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah. we should. Okay. Yeah, let's do that for the B block. Uh, shout out to everyone who has been listening. Really appreciate it. Moscow, Dosvidania, Putin, we are doing what we can to undermine the Chinese government. Don't for you. you. For you. For you, Vladimir Putin. San Jose, California, Bend, Oregon, Hardwick, Vermont. Cool. Ashburn, Virginia, Los Angeles, California, Champaign, Illinois, Brookfield, Wisconsin, Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, Barcelona, Maryland, uh, Barcelona, Spain, Baltimore, Maryland, Providence, Rhode Island, Chicago, Illinois, Brooklyn, Dublin, uh, Philadelphia. What's up, Philadelphia? Go Eagles. Uh, Hayworth, Illinois, Newark, New Jersey, Glens Falls, New York. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Who's that? I don't know. It sounds familiar, though. Uh, hey, Jupiter, Florida. What's yeah. up? Max Scherzer's children, probably. <laughs> Max Scherzer's children. Okay, we got it. Yes. Oh, I'm excited for the headlines tonight. Uh, we move on. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. You can also listen on Spotify or SoundCloud. And follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Dump on the ump. Uh, Sam, you want to read this first one or you want me to read it? Yeah, I'll do it. Because I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Oh, on this one? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> yeah, you do. Uh, okay. After being ridiculed for commenting, committing so many unforced errors over the offseason, the New York Mets attempted to regain some of their lost reputation by going on a free agent spending spree. The the Mets signed Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million contract, followed quickly by signing center fielder Starling Marte to four years, $78 million, first baseman Mark Canna to a two-year, $26.5 million contract, and infielder Eduardo Escobar to a two-year, $20 million contract. Meanwhile, the Texas Rangers have also gone on the spending spree, signing shortstop Corey Seager to a 10-year, $325 million deal, and second baseman Marcus Simeon to a seven-year, $175 million deal. So the question is, who will you root for in next year's inevitable Mets v. Rangers World Series? 
right? Because these are the only two teams who are spending any goddamn money right now, apparently. So they're the only ones who seem to be making a push to win. Now, what you and I were talking about, and I want your hot take on this, Sam, is are any of these contracts actually worth the money, right? I'm all for guys getting paid. Three years, $130 million to Max Scherzer. Ten years, $325 million to Corey Seager. We both had some serious questions about those deals right now. Right. I think with Max Scherzer, you're paying a lot of that money for intangibles. Um, but whether or not he's going to be worth $43.5 million for his 39-year-old season, just based on performance, I'm going to have to say absolutely not. Right. Uh, and, so, and so the Mets are going to have this great lineup of injured Jacob deGrom and injured Max Scherzer for like two seasons. Right. Or if not injured, just mediocre. Right. Like Mac. Okay. Max Scherzer could be the Tom Brady of baseball. I'm not saying that he's not going to be based on Max Scherzer's track record and what we know about the fact, like what we know about the satanic spirit that lives inside of him. Like he's going to find a way to be competitive in his three age 39 season. But like, you don't pay $43.5 million for just competitive. Right. Like you have to pay, like, and if I, you know, how's Jacob deGrom going to feel about this deal? I don't know. I don't know how Jacob deGrom's got to feel about anything being on the Mets, right? He's a weird guy. Um, but the thing is, is like, Max Scherzer's going to go to the Mets. He's going to be the second best pitcher on that staff, which is probably going to be fine for him. Sure. Um, that guy, you know, only cares about feeding his host demon the blood of children or whatever the fuck it is that he eats. Strikeout. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome, right. <laughs> um, but I just, I mean, I, I think that, like, if he, you know, I, I feel like he could be worth a ton of money in non-numbers-based ways. Right, uh, like the Mets kind of have been listless for, especially in their pitching staff, for a number of years, um, and they got like Jacob Degrom, who's the best game in town, but he doesn't really seem to make anyone around him better. And you know what I mean? Like Max Scherzer can kind of bring a undefinable like competitiveness um, and like direction to that pitching staff, and that could be like priceless. You know what I mean? So I don't want to, and you know, it's just, it seems like a contract, like if he had spent his whole career with the Mets and he's like, I'm just going to finish my career here, pay me this ridiculous amount of money for three years. And then I'll, that's it. Like that makes sense. But it's like, he just, he's never played for the Mets before. So it seems weird to give him all this money. Um, so my whole hypothesis about this is that Steve Cohen was just reading my mean tweets I was writing about him after fucking up on the Stephen Nats uh, signing and then still not having an actual manager or president of baseball organizations and the Mets looking like they're just going to met once again 
and me just laughing at two-time felon Steve Cohen from behind the safety of the anonymity of the internet, Steve Cohen was like, I'll show that at dump on the up. And he decided to throw roughly $300 million at four random guys he could find. Right. Uh, my thoughts on the other parts of that deal is Starling Marte. I don't know a ton about him. Um, I kind of just only did some reading about him after he signed with the Mets. Um, Cause he's kind of, I mean, he's been a good player. Um, but the thing, thing is is he kind of profiles just like one of these players that's going to go to queens and just die right Um, he seems like you know an above average player who's going to regress to average or below in queens because that's what happens to free agents when they come to queens exactly that was the other hot take you were telling me that i think needs to be mentioned I just feel like if you can like name me one free agent the Mets have picked up in the past 15 years who's gone on to be a great baseball player, then I will be surprised because I don't think it's happened. Um, and and okay, I, I mean, I like him. Um, he had a, he's had an OPS plus of at least 130 the last, well, I guess, He's had he had one bad year, 2020 with Miami. Other than that, he's been very good since 2018. One time all-star though. I just don't think that you go to Queens to like revitalize your career or like progress in your career, you know? I agree with that. And I feel like players leave the Mets and then become good. Not the other way around. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I feel the same way about Eduardo Escobar. He's a pretty good player. I'm not sure how he'll play in Queens. I just don't I don't see it. Um, Javi Baez to the Detroit Tigers. Right. Javi Baez to the Detroit Tigers. They've been spending money. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Seeger, I don't think he's ever played a full season without being injured. Corey. Corey. Yeah. Yeah, Corey Seager. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a risky $325 million. Right. Uh, I think that the best deal in this list of things is Marcus Simeon, who plays every single fucking day and is and good. MVP finalist this year. Don't you think he deserves at least? He gets less than two thirds of what Corey Seager gets as a. MVP finalist. That's, that's like three or four years older. Okay, sure. Um, and he had a bad year last year. Mm-hmm. He's the one guy on this list. I'm sad that my Chicago White Sox didn't sign. He I right, was- yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. A couple other noteworthy deals. Robert Robbie Ray went to the Mariners on like a hundred and some odd million dollar deal, which is like could be a great deal but that guy has not been consistent throughout his career right um, shout out to thomas Seattle shout out to thomas yeah and um, then what kevin gossman signed for the blue jays uh yeah and uh he signed with the blue jays but also you forgot adam frazier also went to the mariners right that was a trade okay but frazier is back in seattle 
which right which is a big deal in seattle because they love that show (laughs) that's all they talk about you go to seattle that's all anyone talks about is the 90s sitcom frazier starring uh, (coughs) oh god what's his name sideshow his name is uh kelsey graham kelsey graham kelsey graham yeah and the dad right who's that who died who died (laughs) um all right, so free agency continues. One thing that we did not mention was that, and we're going to have to talk about this, was that this entire splurge of free agent signings happened right before the expiration of the five-year collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association. So everyone and expects that as of Wednesday night, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Time, the CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, is going to expire. Meaning, and again, this is the second episode that we've talked about this on this podcast, and we are not labor law experts, so we don't really know what the hell is going on right now. But what everyone is reporting is that the owners are going to initiate a lockout, creating a labor halpage. Now, I'm going to read uh, a couple of paragraphs. This is from cbssports.com. And I thought that this was interesting because there were lots of questions that I could not answer on an episode, I believe it was two weeks ago, that I'm hoping, uh, I don't know if it, maybe doesn't answer, but at least helps us. So this is from CBSSports.com. In the sphere of Major League Baseball, a lockout would mean that the free agency process would be frozen with some big names still on the market. This freezing is why we're seeing such a swarm of signings leading up to the CBI expiration date. Since all transactions would be put on hold, a lockout would also mean no trades. Players would be barred from using team facilities during the lockout, and if the stoppage lasts for more than just a few days when the winter meetings, then the winter meetings and Rule 5 draft would be canceled and postponed indefinitely. If the lockout stretches into January, then the exchange of arbitration figures between eligible players and their teams would be delayed. If we get well into January without an agreement, and the spring training schedule could be imperiled. The worst case scenario is that the lockout lasts long enough to force the rescheduling or even cancellation of regular season games. It would be a bit premature to fret over that right now, but it's within the range of possible outcomes. So Sam, you and I have talked about this a couple of times, and uh, we've talked about that although the union and the league owners continue to negotiate in Dallas, Texas, up until tonight, tonight's Tuesday, okay, I wrote this, both sides seem to agree that a lockout is imminent. Sam, you were pointing out that the both sides-ism isn't fair because it's one side, ownership, that is uh, deciding on their own to lock out the players. The players don't actually have a say in this situation. No say. Right. Right. Now, it seems to me that the chief sticking point 
in negotiations are the division of revenue between ownership and the players, service time manipulation, and the possible solutions to prevent teams from tanking year after year. For Sam, so Sam, my question for you is, what do you think both sides hope to gain or on the flip side, hope not to lose through negotiations? <clears throat> well, sorry. yes, no, I mean, that's, there's a lot of things at play here. I think that the main, you know, a lot of the things that I think the union is trying to get is uh, kind of better, what's the word? <clears throat> Lovely. They're trying to get essentially more money for more players, essentially. Right. So, uh, and the owners are trying to essentially spend less money, right? Right. Um, and I think that, you know, there's some wiggle room there where I don't quite know how to explain what I'm trying to say here. Um, but the there's a lot of things that they're like very far apart on service time, uh, like when players can go into free agency, when they became when they become arbitration eligible, um, and then revenue sharing specifically, where the the players are trying to be like, well, there's all this fucking money, like how about we get some of it? And the owners are like, oh no, there's no money. Like this right. is not. We don't have any money. We need to actually be paying you less money. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there are things that are hurting the game the way game, the game's being played right now, essentially by teams tanking, um, which I don't feel like they're talking enough about. Um, right. And it's interesting, um, both sides, I, I'm sorry to be both sidesing this again, but I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. Both sides have uh, officially submitted proposals for solving tanking. But when you look at it, and this is other folks I've read on the internet, I'm, I'm reiterating what they said. The player's solution is basically a salary floor, right? Right. Which would actually solve the problem. The uh, uh, Major League Baseball has in essence, also uh, presented solutions, but everything I've read is like, well, that's not going to actually solve anything. Right. Yeah. Now, the other thing is making teams give up draft picks in exchange for tanking, but I think that would be difficult to uh, enforce. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that the what the owners, what the league is they propose lowering the luxury tax threshold, right? Right, yeah. Make it less appealing to have a massive payroll, but that's really just going to try to force teams to make salaries lower. Right, like and it would just result in less lower. for players, and that's the opposite right. of what the players want. Right. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of, so the other thing is, you know, like we mentioned, 
all these quick signings are happening because everyone thinks that the lockout's going to happen, which means no free agents would want to sign. Do you think that this is helping the owners or the players more? This like wave of quick signings. Probably the owners, I would think. Yeah, Although it doesn't seem like that. I think that, <clears throat> I don't know. It's kind of hard because it seems like it seems like all of these quick signings by the league and I mean, by the league specifically by teams and owners specifically are uh, what not disingenuous. I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, they're kind of like, well, we're going to lock you out, but we're going to try to get ours first. And yeah. we're using this lockout to like, leverage the decision-making time by players and agents by being like, if you don't sign before this date, then who knows what's going to happen? Like we're going to shut it down on this date. And then who knows what, like we may never play. So if you want a contract, you should be, you should feel pressure to sign beforehand. Um, And that being said, I think, you know, I, I recognize the fact that I just went on a rant about how much I feel like all of these teams have been overplaying, paying all of these players. So <laughs> you like, but um, you know, I don't know if that's actually true, but it seems like a shady tactic for them because they've been saying lockout since the regular season was still going on. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've been screaming lockout and they've had plenty of time to avoid that. And it doesn't seem like specifically the league who is the one who's doing the locking out has made any effort whatsoever to avoid a lockout. Okay. So uh, they've been screaming lockout for months and months and they've like not tried to avert the lockout, not even a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So Evan Drellich, D-R-E-L-L-I-C-H. He writes for the, uh, the athletic, like basically all good sports writers do for the athletic. Don't write jump on the end. Except for us, we're the only good sports writers who don't write for the athletic. Yes. Um, yes, right. Um, and, and so he's writing about this. Um, wait, I just lost the paragraph that I wanted to read because it was really, okay, here it is. Um, this is Drellich. <laughs> Technically, the owners do not have to lock out the players. The sides could keep negotiating and allow the offseason and free agency to proceed as planned. But Manfred on Thursday made clear that he and the owners are unlikely to wait. In large part, that's because owners do not want players to have the weapon of going on strike if a deal is not done prior to the start of play. And this is something I've read elsewhere, where basically the idea, here it is, this is on CBSSports.com, The aim of the lockout is not only to accelerate the pace of the CBA negotiations, but also to make it more likely that the players will bend to the owner's will on multiple fronts. Above all, this is an attempt by teams to put pressure on the union to agree to the owner's suite of proposals for the next CBA. Further, teams hope that bringing the game to a halt with some unsigned players still out there will will undermine union solidarity as the lockout drags on. So they're trying to, they, the owners, are trying to preempt the threat of a player strike by locking them out three months before spring training. Right. 
And I think that it's important to note, and I know I've already said this, but if the players were going on strike, nobody would be like, well, both sides seem to agree that the players' strike is inevitable. Like the media would be like, the players are going on strike, end of sentence. And because it's the league, because it's the owners with all the fucking money, the the lamestream sports media is You're like, oh, well, the players and the owners. Lame. Right. Yeah. The players and the owners are on a crash course with a lockout. God, those players and owners, they're equally at fault for this. It's like, no, bullshit. Oh, <clears throat> hey, this the CBS sports article is actually written by Dane Perry, D-A-Y-N Perry, who I also follow on Twitter, who's amazing on Twitter. So uh, he should write for The Athletic because he's really good at his job and not right. for cbssports.com. But uh, good for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he should write for us. And uh, Evan Drellett should write for us, too. We should actually just start. uh, What's that word called? Poaching. Poaching all of the athletics best MLB writers. (laughs) (laughs) With an offer of millions of one million dollars. Right. You get dozens of listens a week. I yep. don't think you can compete with that kind of audience. Right. I'll give you 10 years, $100 million to leave now today. Right. That guy will pay you to write for Dump on the Up. That guy, yeah. Get get Brian Kelly to pay, pay for you to write for Dump on the Up. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to have to talk about this more. Um Again, we still haven't answered the question of what happens if the lockout actually does go into spring training or regular season. And Max Scherzer is like, hey, the Mets just gave me three years, $130 million. Okay, if I can't report, that's fine. They still have to pay me my $42 million this year. Yeah, I think that's where the payers get their leverage back. Is Yeah if they start to look like the teams aren't going to be making any fucking money. But who knows with this new variant of coronavirus, it could be just another shutdown. The league won't want to have games anyway because they won't be able to get fans in the stadium. Right. God damn it. All right. Well, let's burn that bridge when we get there. Right. All right. Uh, so we talked about most of the things we wanted to talk out. Talk about what did we forget? Anything else? Uh, the White Sox out signed uh, utility infielder Leori Garcia, fan favorite. That's been the White Sox. I guess they got Kendall. Oh, yeah, Raven. Yeah, that was good. He's a good pitcher. Yeah, your one's gonna be good. Yeah, uh, we're still expecting that we're gonna trade Kimball at some point. We'll see what happens. Yeah that um but yeah they we haven't we've haven't scored on any of the big offensive players marcus stroman is still out there yeah. I, I could see him although he was uh doing some uh problematic things on twitter we could talk about maybe in the people <laughs> yeah he's done He's known for doing some problematic things on Twitter, I feel like. Right, which I think he would be great on the White Sox because of that. Right, I feel like he'd fit in. <clears throat> I, I, uh, uh, yeah. 
Boston. Sox signed Michael Waka. Oh yeah, Waka Waka Waka. Waka Waka Waka. He's terrible, and he'll probably be our biggest free agent signing. That's 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 Red Sox hot take. Yeah, you want Swobu to come back? Uh, Yeah, at this point, that's my want. We don't really have a spot for him, but he's good. He's a good player, and he did good work for us last year. Seemed to like the team, so right. He'd be a good fit. He'd be good. And then that would, like, if we wanted to trade J.D. Martinez, we could. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they've been talking about that. Not not the Red Sox, but the, you know, the athletic, essentially. Right. It's been, well, you sign Schwarber, you trade J.D. to, like, especially, they're like, sign Schwarber. Universal DH gets put into the new CBA, and then you can trade JD to like any National League team that doesn't have a DH. <clears throat> anyway, it makes sense. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this has been Dump on the Ump. Once again, if you like what you're hearing, uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud and/or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump. We've got a WordPress blog, Dump on the Ump, and Facebook.com, Dump on the Ump. All right. Uh, For Sam, my name is Joel. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. You will be sorry, be sorry from your heart. Sorry to your heart. Someday when you and I must part